Today, we'll be looking at the last two horsemen. These are the four horsemen that doom investors and cause us to have abysmal returns over our lifetimes. If you didn't catch the first episode last week, go back and listen to that first and then come catch up with this one. This is a recording from chapter nine of my book, 3D Retirement Income, which is available now on Amazon and there are links in the show notes if you want to listen to the full book. So we'll pick right up where we left off last week, looking at the four horsemen, jumping right in with number three. The third horseman, market timing, lose by not winning. Market timing believes that you can be invested in the equity market only when it goes up and get out before it goes down. You win by not losing. It feels like it should be possible. You look back at the markets and see these fantastic growth spurts followed by catastrophic crashes. Couldn't it be possible to be in the market during the good years and then get out to preserve your gains? Even if you pulled out a little before the peak and didn't get out right at the bottom of a dip, you should still be able to sell high and buy low, right? Market timing is not trading. Trading is daily, weekly, or monthly exchanges of securities to try and make a profit between different funds or stocks. Market timing attempts to take advantage of market cycles. The problem with market timing is that you must be right twice, when you get out of the market and when you get back in. If you're wrong on either side, you'll end up worse than if you'd never tried. Let's look at a couple of examples. Bill was primarily invested in equity funds in the early 2010s. He never invested all his retirement equities, but will focus exclusively on his equity activity. Bill had a growing sense that a crash was coming. He acutely remembered the global financial crisis in 2008 and was determined not to lose on the next drop. He paid close attention to the news and could read the writing on the wall. The 2016 election was shaping up to be a nasty one. 2015 was flat with some nasty volatility in the late summer. The market had peaked in 2000 before the dot-com crash, and then peaked again in 2007 before the global financial crisis. It had been seven years since the last peak before crash. Bill's investments were up more than two and a half times in that time. He decided to get out. In the accompanying PDF, you'll see some graphs for this section, which really help illustrate what's happening with Bill and some of the other examples. Encourage you to reference that now if you can, otherwise come back to it and reference it when you're reviewing the book later on. This first chart shows the returns from 2009, which kind of bottomed it out with the global financial crisis up through 2016. It's got a nice upward trend with some nasty volatility in there as well. Bill sold all of his equities in January 2016 and went to short-term bonds and cash to wait out the impending calamity. The 2016 election was brutal, and it did create some volatility in the market, but the crash didn't happen in 2016. Still, Bill was convinced it was coming. Bill had heard that you must be right twice. He knew he was right about when he got out, and he was determined to be principled about when he got back in. The previous market crashes had resulted in a 49% and 57% loss in the S&P 500. He knew it might not crash that far again, but he figured if it declined 30%, he would have a good buy. He waited for a 30% correction. A correction happened in 2018, but it only dropped by about half of what he needed it to, and he didn't pull the trigger on his purchase. 
The event finally happened in 2020. The COVID crash dropped the market swiftly. Bill put his money back in on April 1st, close to the bottom, and about 30% down from February's peak. He had done it. He had repurchased in at the bottom of a crash. His principle had been perfect. He would have never bought back in if he had waited for a 40-50% to crash. But he knew he could make a profit at only 30% down. He had successfully timed the market. Or had he? Between January 1st, 2016, when he got out of the market, and April 1st, 2020, when he got back in the market at the bottom of the COVID crash, the S&P 500 rose 56.5%. Bill did get back in at the right time, but he got out at the wrong time. If he had stayed invested, he would have had 56% more money on April 1st. This after the 33% decline of the COVID crash. The chart in the accompanying PDF will show when Bill got out and when he got back in, and the gap between when he got out at a peak and when he got back in in a dip, and that gap is 56%. Bill pulled $400,000 out of equities in 2016 and put it back in in 2020. If he had stayed in, he would have had $624,000. Bill's attempt to beat the market cost him $224,000. But wait, it gets worse. Compounding works better with more money. From April 1st, 2020 through the end of 2021, the S&P 500 gained 70%. Yes, some of that was recovery. The net gain from the previous peak was only 43%. Bill's $400,000 grew to $680,000. But if he had stayed in, From 2016 through 2021, Bill would have had $1,063,000. It's a lot of numbers, but this sums it up. The third horseman stole $383,000 from Bill, his family, and his legacy. Let's look at another example. Todd waited longer before he got out of the market. He sold on January 1st, 2020 after seeing reports of the scary new virus named after a beer. His move turned out to be prescient. The COVID crash happened shortly after that. Todd perfectly timed getting out of the market. The problem is that Todd didn't get back in during the correction. It was a scary time. There were mass shutdowns, mask mandates, and hospitals were overflowing. Who wants to get in the market at a time like that? Todd was surprised to see the market's rapid recovery during a global pandemic. It caught up and pushed on to new heights and was leaving him behind. But he watched the news and he heard many reports that it would be a W-shaped recovery. That is, it would go back down again before recovering fully. Supposedly, the market was in for another crash. Todd decided he would wait for the other shoe to drop and then get back in. It never happened. Todd never got the chance to get back in lower than he got out. Between when he pulled the $700,000 out of the market in 2020 through 2021, the market went up nearly 44%. It would have taken Todd's retirement account over $1 million if he had never sold. Even though Todd perfectly timed his exit, he missed his re-entry. The third horseman robbed Todd of over $307,000. We've seen what happens when you miss the timing of one side or another. You experience a theft of thousands. What happens if you miss both? 
I met a couple this past fall whom we were interviewing to see if they would be a good fit for our practice. They had moved $1.5 million out of equities in July 2018. Since then, the market had gone up almost 74%. They would have had $2.6 million if they had left it alone. The third horseman stole over $1 million from them. They didn't end up working with us, and as far as I know, they're still trying to figure out when to get back in. I discussed time in the market in this 37th episode of the Retirement Mentorship Podcast. In it, we examine a tale of three brothers. One invests systematically throughout their life, regardless of the market cycles. One invests in chunks at the bottom of each market, perfectly timing the buy low strategy. The last is the opposite, only investing at the peak right before each crash. The results are fascinating. and You can find that podcast at retirementorship.com slash 37. The third horseman is a deadly destroyer of retirements and legacies. Do not listen to the lies that suggest you can time the market. In the immortal words of the world-renowned fund manager, Peter Lynch, far more money has been lost by investors preparing for corrections or trying to anticipate corrections than has been lost in the corrections themselves. The fourth horseman, panic, the big mistake. It is one thing to get out of the market too early, miss out on the gains, or neglect to get back in at the bottom and miss a recovery. It's an entirely different story when you are in the market as it plummets, especially when you are retired. You see your life savings fall by 20, 30, 40, or 50%. You cannot take it anymore. You panic. Investors are often lured to their deaths at the hands of the fourth horseman's siren song, Euphoria. The markets are going up and up and up. Euphoria around investing sets in. The good times will never end. There is excitement of being part of the in crowd. There's a joy of watching your money increase weekly, if not daily. It is alluring even for the most disciplined and principled investor. Euphoria, sometimes called greed, is a phenomenon of buying an investment after and only after it has already gone up substantially in value. We see this with new era and general investing. New Era Euphoria We've seen a significant difference between investing and speculating. New Era investing is a subset of speculating, but it doesn't look like it in the moment. The times have changed, people proclaim. The old is lame. The new has come. It's time to get on the train. Innovation is coming. It's the new era of, insert exciting new trend. We saw this big time with the dot-com bubble at the turn of the millennium. The internet was the new era, and anything with a dot-com at the end was sure to be significant. All these new and exciting companies were steadily rising. People began to take notice. Look how great these stocks are. Look how impressive the returns are. How exciting. I want in. As more and more people began to buy in at higher and higher prices, it got more and more attention. This meant more and more people buying in at higher prices. As the prices continued to rise, so did the returns. I heard of a client who sued her advisor because her portfolio had only gotten a 30% return in a year. Apparently, some of her friends had received an 80% return that year. The trend line is 10%, right? Okay, I'm just checking. Friends, does doubling your money in two and a half years sound too good to be true? It is. The euphoria of such returns was sucking in all kinds of investors. 
The disciplined ones that finally caved to euphoria did the worst, finally buying in at the peak. The bubble burst, the stocks plummeted, many to zero. The euphoric purchases were rewarded with tremendous permanent losses. Euphoria. It's enticing and deadly. We still see this today. We saw it with Bitcoin in 2017 and in 2021. People buy in only after it has already gone up substantially. The only time I ever get asked by people whether or not they should buy Bitcoin is after it has already gone way up in price, beyond any reasonable level or at any reasonable speed. The pull of euphoria in the new era is the siren song. General Euphoria Euphoria is not only for speculative investments. People fall for it in the general market as well. People want to be in when the broad equity markets have been going up for a while. I'm not saying it's bad to get in the market after it's gone up for a while. And I'm certainly not saying you should get out after it's been going up for a while because it comes back down. But some people have stayed on the sidelines year after year with money they could have invested but didn't until the market was already high. That is euphoria. We saw it in 2006 through 2007. We saw it again in 2018 through 2019. People who had their money on the sidelines since the bottom of 2009 asking if, now that the market had been going up for the last 10 years, it was finally a good time to buy. It also shows up when people believe that the market won't go down. It's been going up for so long, it must always go up. It's 90 degrees in October, baby. The summer's never going to end. Let's buy a boat. They borrow money or invest their blue bucket into the equity market. They have nothing to fall back on when the market corrects. Euphoria is the siren song, luring people to their deaths at the hands of the fourth horseman. Death by fear. The sunniest of summers are often followed by the whitest of winters. Imagine you have worked for 30 to 40 years. You've built up a modest but sufficient nest egg. It's your life savings. The market has been mainly good to you and has helped propel you to new heights. But now, as you approach or enter retirement, the market is beginning to slip. It is beginning to fall. You watch your life savings decrease. You've lost 100000 gone. You're watching your life's work evaporate before your eyes. A long and cold December stretches into a more frigid January, which breaks into a longer February. People doubt spring will ever come. The bad times will never end. You begin to tell yourself, surely it is better to cut my losses and to save what I have than for it to all go to zero. Something is better than nothing. I'll wait until this crisis is over. You panic. You sell your investments and go to cash. You relieve the pain of seeing your money disappear. This move turns out to be devastating. You went to cash at what turns out to be the bottom. The market comes raging back, but you are still in cash. Now what? Do you get back in? There's talk of another downturn. Maybe you should wait until then, but it doesn't happen. The market recovers without you, turning a temporary decline into a permanent loss. Panic is the rarest of the four horsemen. It is also the deadliest. You can invest perfectly for 29 out of 30 years. You can stick to a disciplined investment plan and avoid chasing returns. You can have sublime diversification, avoiding the pitfalls of over and under You can abstain from attempting to get out of the markets before a crash. 
and you can eschew all euphoric notions. But if you succumb to the fourth horseman, even once, it's over. It can be easy to judge those who have panicked out of the market at the bottom. If you find yourself on your high white horse, looking down on those whom the dark horse has trampled, chances are high you've never been there yourself. Cannot speak until you see your life savings that you need to live on evaporating and have felt that fear. Those of you who have been there know what I'm talking about. People claim that this will never happen to them and that it doesn't happen all that often in general. The facts disagree with that sentiment. The equity markets fell by a third in 30 days during the COVID crash. People sold at the bottom. The only way for the S&P 500 to fall from 31% down to 32% down is because people want to sell at 31% down. People want to take a 31% loss. But when there are no more people willing to buy at 31% off, the price falls to a 32% decline, where some people finally offer to do the deal. And when no more people want to buy at 32% off, and some still want to sell, the price falls again to 33% off. The same was true in the global financial crisis and during dot-com. People sell at the bottom of market crashes, and those people are predominantly those in or close to retirement. You may believe that chances of this happening to you are meager, at least recognize that the impact is deadly. There is no way to recover from the fourth horseman. Avoid him at all costs. The first horseman, chasing returns. The grass is always greener in another investment. You continually switch investments, hoping to get superior returns, but earning inferior ones instead. The second horseman, poor diversification. All your eggs in one or too many baskets. You are trying to make a killing on one investment, only to be killed by it. Or you have many investments with no strategy and abandoning them when confronting another horseman. The third horseman, market timing. You believe you can get out before a market crash and get back in when it is lower. You must be right twice, and most people aren't. The fourth horseman, panic. The siren song of euphoria during the market advances beckons you in only to be turned into fear when the market declines. You cannot bear to see your investments go any lower Better to lose some than to lose all. You sell it all. Permanent loss. Other reasons contribute to poor investor returns, but these are responsible for most of our woes. The four horsemen signal the destruction of our potential, impact, and legacies. How do we defend ourselves against these lethal mistakes? We adopt the seven pillars of investing success. We'll look at those over the following chapters, starting with the first three, planning, discipline, and patience. Chapter 9 Summary The First Horseman, Chasing Returns Change your investment strategy often to try and capture the highest possible returns. Do not change strategies based on short-term track record. There's no evidence for the persistence of performance. Do not change strategies based on predictions or forecasts. The only function of economic forecasting is to make astrology look respectable. He who looks back at the predictions of stock market gurus dies of remorse. 
The second horseman, poor diversification. There are two forms, under-diversification, all your eggs in one basket, and over-diversification, all your eggs in too many baskets. Diversifying means you never own enough of something to make a killing on it or get killed by it. Under-diversification isn't harmful until it's outright lethal. You will know when that happens, and it will be too late. The third horseman, market timing, attempting to be in the market only when it's going up and getting out before it goes down. The problem with market timing is that you must be right twice, when you get out and when you get back in. Far more money has been lost by investors preparing for corrections or trying to anticipate corrections than has been lost in the corrections themselves. The fourth horseman, panic. A period of euphoric investment followed by selling your equities when they are down, turning a temporary decline into a permanent loss. Panic occurs when you can no longer watch your investments lose value. The market will often recover without you. There is no way to recover from the fourth horseman. Avoid him at all costs. If you enjoyed that, you would love being part of our free membership community. It's called Retire Membership, and there's a host of benefits all for free. For example, you can always buy my book, 3D Retirement Income, on Amazon. But if you join us at Retire Membership, we will send you either a hard copy or paperback for free, provide the ebook and the audiobook so that you can listen to it if you don't have time to read it. In addition to that, we'll also provide you with a bunch of content that you can't get anywhere else. For example, we have our quarterly retire mentorship magazine, which comes out quarterly and has no ads whatsoever. It's just timely content to help you stay the course. We also have workbooks for our free online workshop to help you get the most out of those, flowcharts to help you make better decisions, and a weekly email to provide timely content that you can unsubscribe from at any time. We never ask for any payment information, and we never share your information with anyone else. We just want to provide timely content and help you stay the course to retire successfully and stay successfully retired. There's no reason to wait, so join us now at retiremembership.com, or you can click in the link in the description, and it'll go right there. We can't wait to see you in the community. Cheers. This podcast is educational only and is not investment, tax, or legal advice.